Welcome to our podcast series, Talking with Traders, hosted by expert trader Garth McKenzie in London, from where he's interviewing various guests on the topic of trading. Welcome to season four of Talking with Traders with me, Garth McKenzie. It's been a lengthy hiatus since we completed season three of this series, so it's good to be back. Thank you to IG Markets for once again coming on board to fund and sponsor this podcast. Their involvement is hugely valuable, and we're proud to have such an award-winning CFD provider alongside us. In this season, I'll welcome back some of our most popular guests from previous seasons to get their updated views on the markets, and I'll also bring in some new guests too. I'll be asking them pertinent questions about how they trade the market and where they're seeing opportunities in the global trading and investing arena. The idea is that you, the listener, gain some valuable insight and education from these market professionals that may be of use in your own trading and investing. So with that in mind, let's get straight into this week's episode of Talking with Traders. Joining us for Talking with Traders this week is another returning guest. This is Richard Thomason from Cape Town. Now, you might remember Richard from last year. He's a private individual with a day job, not a full-time trader. He's, he's got a proper job in Cape Town, quite a serious job, actually. But he manages his own portfolio. And I discovered Richard uh, via Twitter because he tweets a lot of stuff about markets and tweets his performance and I thought this is someone very interesting to talk to because he probably is very relatable to the, a lot of the audience, being a, a DIY traders yourselves or investors, many of you. So it's, it was great to get Richard on last year. And we're doing a lot of follow-up podcasts with all of our guests from last year. And I welcome back, Richard, again. Uh, it's, it's super to speak to you once again. Richard, welcome. Well, thanks for having me on again, Garth. And thanks for thinking of me. I really appreciate you having me on the show. and. Um... You know, I love your work. I think it's very professional and it's great that you've you've kind of partnered with IG again. The fourth season, is it? It is the fourth season. That's right. Yeah, and oh. IG are the sponsors. Um, they've sponsored all of these podcast seasons so far. And it looks at this stage like we've got the go-ahead to continue with this podcast until about May of next year with their sponsorship, at which point I'll probably go back to them with my uh, cap in hand, asking for another year's sponsorship <laughs> based on the way things have been going. So yes, but thanks. Thanks for those kind words. I've been I've been listening to the to the episodes. They've been great. And um you know, I think I just haven't uh, listened to Greg's one yet, but I'll, I'll get there in time. But uh, been been very informative. Thanks. Okay, excellent. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we're doing a lot of uh, return to, uh, return guests, but also uh, I am going to be bringing in some new guests as well in between. A couple of other people that I've met along the way, or uh, someone that I've you know people that I've discovered that are interesting. So we're going to certainly be mixing it up a little bit. But it, it, it has been fun uh, talking to previous guests, which is what we're going to be doing with you. And I'm really looking forward to it because last time we spoke was the 28th of October, 2020. I was just listening to the podcast before just to catch up and re re uh, remember what we spoke about last year. And I remember it was such a good conversation. And at that stage, you said you were having a little bit of a drawdown on your South African portfolio, but offshore had been going fairly well. But it's been a pretty good year all around, uh, both in South Africa. A lot of the SA Inc. stocks have kicked this year. And also offshore, it's been pretty well, uh, pr pretty good if you've been in the right stock. So how's the year been for you since we last spoke? Yeah, so it's been a, I mean, it's been a complete flip around. So I think when we last spoke, um, I was having a great year in the US markets. Um, 
been outperforming handsomely there with all the, the NASDAQ running nicely on growth stocks and that. Uh, and the local market, I mean, I think the time we spoke, I had a look, uh, you know, I was down about 29.5% year to date. Uh, and that's that's quite a big drawdown, you know. So yeah. I was doing a course and I was reading my books and sharpening my pencil and thinking, is my system still working? And so, you know, going back to basics and really looking at taking a hard look at myself and, you know, what I'm good at and et cetera. So, um, I, you know, I was down, I think I did three three green months and seven red months then. And, uh, you know, my, my and then November came just after we'd finished chatting. And I think it was my biggest biggest month ever at 13.6%. Wow. So, uh, you know, in the history of what, 18 years. So, uh, you know, you, you've just got to keep at it. And sometimes the, you know, the, you, 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 it turns, your account turns around and, you know, the markets have been very easy. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of people screenshotting stuff on Twitter and a lot of the retail is always people doing better than you. And you can't beat yourself up about that. You've just really kind of got to stick to your knitting and um, remember what you're good at and keep finding your system. You know, yeah. So then we had the rights in July. I think that's been the one, the one month that um, it was a losing month for me. So my, yeah. my, my portfolio in SA is quite geared to SA right. uh, with one or two rand hedges. Um, and then, yeah, the markets, markets changed significantly, but, um, you know, one must always remember in these environments, they're quite forgiving. So you can throw a dart and make money. There's a lot of luck involved and it's very forgiving. So you can't really trade in a sloppy manner. You've got to remember your basics um, all along and do your homework. Yeah, no, that's quite right. And one of the things I picked up from speaking to you last year is that you're a very disciplined person all around. And and I guess to that extent, you trade or you invest according to your personality as well. But I mean, you spoke about how disciplined you are with training and keeping fit and with your work, and you set good goals for yourself. So I presume this is one of those years where you'd look back and you say, well, that discipline has really paid off. It may have been difficult to stick to those disciplines at times, but it's paid off and you can now kind of sit back and smile on the year past. Yeah, quite correct. Look, I mean, things have changed a bit. Uh, this, this month in particular, it started really well, but uh, just of late, the rand's been selling off and I think it's to do with the load shedding um, that's hitting yeah. South Africa at the moment. People are selling rands and, and you've mm. called that quite nicely. I see uh, you having a public debate with someone on Twitter and you know, I was just smiling and knowing where my debate was going with that one. As soon as the economy <laughs> starts kicking an essay, this sort of stuff starts to come in and, uh, you know, you live, you've lived here for a long time. So, yeah, you know, my discipline, I think, yeah, I think that has played a part, you know. So the underperformance period caused me to sit up and think, you know, um, what am I good at really? Um, so, uh, you know, COVID caused this sort of great journey of self-discovery and this drawdown period where I had to kind of define my edge. I read a lot of books, um, in my Twitter bio, as we have posted what I consider to be my strengths, which is, you know, in that order, passion, discipline, consistency, and commitment. So, uh, you know, I think that's probably the right order. You need to be passionate about something, then really disciplined. And in trading, that's, I think, probably paramount. Yep. Um, then, um, yeah, I mean, so you need, you need rock solid discipline. You, you can't be patient with losses. Um, you know, I'm sure you've been there. I've certainly been there. The longer you leave it, the more it eats you. Yeah. You can't watch it grow bigger. And, you know, eventually, you know, the story, it can become an investment and then it sits there um, in, in for the long haul here. And then you see your capital being tied up and other stuff moving. Eventually you dump it in disgust. And then the next day the thing goes up, you know, so, yeah. and, and, and that can kill your, portfolio and performance uh, the whole year you know if you have one big loser like that so so never take a 
a big loss, I think, is is the, is the thing. And yeah, out of all of that I've read, it's, you know, it's, it's cut cut your losses short and, and let your winners run. You want to be selling the stuff in your shop or getting rid of the stuff that's not working for you. It's not selling or, and pruning those weeds out of your garden and, and watering the stuff that's working well. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Cut the weeds, water the flowers. That's the best uh, axiom to use mm. in this in this situation. But t- just to give the listeners a little bit of a refresh, if they if, if they need it. Um, your style, your approach, you're not really a trader. You're kind of like more of an investor, aren't you? But your holding time frame on stocks is is often several years at a time, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, you know, in if I go back to my, my journals, uh, I think my average holding period in the US was, was a few months. And, uh, and it's just over a year in my local portfolio. So those are my closed trades. Okay. I do have trades open at the moment for... Uh, close on three years on some of them, but others I'll close, you know, after uh, four days, some of them, you know. Okay. Okay. So um, it's actually shorter than I thought. I, I actually thought many of your positions you just sit on for, for a hell of a long time. I didn't realize that your average holding time was in actually within the months inside of a one year, uh, particularly in the US. So that's interesting to hear. And what percentage now is offshore versus South Africa in your overall portfolio? Yeah, God. So it's an interesting question. So you know, I've always worked to to work up my my offshore accounts, but I, I really should have more offshore. And you know, I think if if I exclude my provident fund, my tax free, my RA, and my uh, RSA retail savings bond that I picked up at eleven point five in COVID, mm. then I, I've got probably fifteen percent of my of my my portfolio offshore, and the rest is on my local portfolio. Right. So I'm always looking to put more offshore, and that's where your money should be. But, you know, and there was a nice window now to have taken rands offshore mm. um, and, and bought dollars or pounds or whatever you want to buy and trade in. Um, but at the end of the day, I live in SA, I eat in SA, I send my kids to school in SA and, and, and that's where, and, and I, my edge is in the local market. So I'm here on the ground, I'm listening to the trading updates and, and reading the reports here and seeing what's going on. You know, so unless I intend to repatriate funds to SA, at some stage, I'll probably keep it more skewed towards local. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's when you see those opportunities when the rand is really strong, <clears throat> the, the currency will re- will weaken over the long term. Um, we know that. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe the U.S. account, I'll, I'll build up. Uh, it, it's grown quite nice and big now. Um, but I would probably be growing that for like if kids were to go to varsity there or you know maybe were to go to go for a holiday there i'm not quite sure what i'd use it for unless i'd bring rands back yeah yeah yeah. okay interesting that i mean i was having a debate with a friend of mine the other day who's very um bullish on south africa and he obviously lives there and invests there and um you know we were debating the merits of taking the money offshore and trading it offshore versus leaving it in South Africa. And he was saying to me, well, you know, you look at some of the returns that you've managed to achieve in the South African market in the last year, uh, some of those returns are spectacular and would certainly have beaten any uh, weakness in the RAND over that time. And uh, we, we alluded to the conversation that I'd had previously with Anthony Clark. Uh, of small talk daily research. And he's done very well in the last year because a lot of those South Africa Inc. stocks that he owns have really kicked in the last year and have made, you know, in some cases, hundreds of percent return. But, uh, and of course, if you've done that and you've, you've done much better by being there than you have been by being offshore, notwithstanding any weakness in the RAND. So it is an interesting discussion to always have. And, uh, but I guess, and I sense there is a little bit of a, 
a local bias then from talking to you because you know, as you said, you know the companies, you've got access to research. Um, I know last year when we spoke, you you said that you listened to guys like Wayne McCurry and David Shapiro on the TV and the radio, and they guide a lot of your decisions. I gather you, you just, you're just a constant consumer of information in various different places that you can get it from in the, in the various financial media that are available, right? 100% Goth, yeah. So I'm always fascinated by sentiment. I'm listening to TV shows, podcasts, uh, talking heads. Um, I'm tr- I, I've struggled with reading magazines. You know, I subscribe to a couple issues, but I prefer to listen to and watch and uh, listen to podcasts in the car. And then just check, and Twitter also, that's an amazing marketplace of people mm-hmm. making crazy calls and doing crazy stuff you know, that you just think, what are you talking about, dude, you know? <laughs> and it gives you a really good dipstick of what how people are thinking, you know? Um, I mean, there's guys there that are just so um, taken by Bitcoin and they're putting their full life savings into this thing. I just cannot understand it, you know? Like top, yeah. top guys that used to be investment st- style sort of traders, you know? Mm. You know? I won't mention names, but, you you know, you can go and have a look. But yeah. um, so I spent a lot of time engaging sentiments and seeing how people view things. Um and yeah, I mean, I have made a couple of public calls that have been un- unpopular about that have gone my way and some haven't, you know, and that's that's investing and that's trading. But I'm always trying to understand what the story is and where people are going and then try and invert that and think about it. It's, it's a constant puzzle that I turn around in my mind the whole time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of the things you mentioned last year is that also you, you you're obviously you're very observant. You're observing what's going on around you and you, you, a lot of your decisions are, are made by common sense and the example that you gave last year when we spoke was that you just said you could see at the time things were starting to reopen it was october last year so things were beginning to reopen people were starting to move around again shops were beginning to fill up and that was just an observation um and common sense was telling you that there was going to be some upside in the in the domestic stocks what is that common sense uh influence telling you about markets now in in general uh, in, a, in, a, in a global sense and in a south african sense sure yeah so i mean back then i remember it very clearly i remember actually phoning someone and saying man i'm like so excited i just know the markets are going to kick now the stimulus is finally kicking in and you know i could actually make serious cash now and it's time i just knew you know it was like a changing of the winds and mm. um you know, you should never underestimate what governments can do, regardless of what the governments are, the fiscal and monetary intervention that they can put or, you know, change things. At the moment, you know, I, I, as I said, I, I do foresee headwinds for South Africa. The RAND's heading south. There's load shedding. I think that'll have a huge effect on South Africa. Yeah. Um, I think that they won't have such draconian COVID measures in place that we're seeing now going down in Austria and Germany and things like that. So, mm. but let's see how that one pans out. So I'm a bit cautious on SA at the moment. And the RAND is definitely selling off and it is taking a, a, a toll on my portfolio a little bit, but I'll, I'll follow my system there. Um, just in terms of some other macro observations, I think US um, markets are in a total bubble at, at this stage. I think it's the latest surge up in Tesla, et cetera, caught a lot of people off guard. Mm. It's got a bit of a sort of dot-com feel to it. Uh, but the yeah. growth fraternity, the growth stock fraternity is now sprung to life again. <clears throat> and they've took they've sort of taken full advantage of the situation. People like Mark Minovini, who <laughs> either love him or hate him, this guy's <laughs> made north of 300 percent in these investing championships this year. 
Yeah. He's pointing out that there's a lot of failed breakouts where a stock will break out and then just retrace and, and then they stopped out. So this guy's mm-hmm. been hitting a lot of um, singles and he realizes this. Um, and the market breadth hasn't quite been there as well. But you never know when the music will stop, right? So you've got to kind of play and then stay close to the exits. And that's where everyone's kind of living in that space at the moment. I feel it's a bit like that in the crypto space as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's becoming just hectically, you know, Dogecoin and all these other things coming in. People just think it's like, you know, people doubling their accounts and putting it on Twitter. It's just crazy. Huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then just in terms of applying common sense, you know, um, just thinking about this one, uh, you know, so I took a... I took a flight to Durban in September um, for, for this race I was supposed to do. And I was suddenly struck by how full the airport, airports and planes were. The flight prices had gone up, which shows you the demands there. Right? You know, they've got to pay for their fuel. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is people are sick of Zoom. They want to get going. And, you know, I laughed at Wayne McCurry. He said, he encapsulated this so well. He said, you know, human beings are social creatures. We can't just carry on sitting at home and doing Zooms in our pajamas forever. We want to get yeah. out there. And Sure. Um, so these guys on the planes had corporate t-shirts on them and and um, I could see it was business travel going on. People at work were wanting to fly around again, not have Zooms anymore. So, you know, you look at these things. And I don't like airlines. They're capital intensive. They've got to, you know, hedge, get call the oil price right and stuff like that. But I thought, what about car rental companies, right? Yes. So then I went into the US market and then, you you know, I heard um, you guys talking about, uh, a, a, you know, what was it? Hertz that did a deal recently. And yeah, with Tesla. And look at that. And um this car, which is Avis Budget, which had a massive short squeeze. I, I was just going to say, the I was, after I, I bought I, the, I, the other one, you know. <laughs> I, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat here thinking, gee, please tell me that you bought Avis Budget because oh, that, man, that, gosh, that is, I, yeah, that's a sad story. That I literally was toying up between the two and I thought I'll go with the more speculative one on the pink sheets. It was HT double Z at that stage. Yeah. And I bought that and I made some money on it. And then when it moved to the NASDAQ and re IPO'd, it lost a bit of ground and actually got stopped out. And but I mean, car went from 174 to 500 in one day. I would have yes. just taken it immediately and run because that's windfall profits and then re-entered yes. where it settled out, you know? But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Those so short squeezes in the, in the States mm. are crazy. They're absolutely crazy. Yeah. yeah sorry. There's I interrupted you. a couple others, Garth. Yeah. So, um, you know, so, I mean, just common sense investing. So, you know, it's, it's not this, it's not just this easy, but we know when I was working, when, when I was running around the neighborhood, you, I was struck by the number of cement trucks and buildings that were left untouched before code, which was suddenly, um, you know, being worked on. If you had a look at how many concrete mixes were cruising around with PPC trucks with ready mixed concrete on them uh, and ready to, to work, uh, I hadn't seen this before, you know. Um, so now PPC has some risks of late with the RAND weakening and, and you know, the ports potentially reopening and uh, you know, can't really protect local cement in it. But you can go back to the charts and then see, look at the volume, there's institutional interest, and then weigh up your thesis and base it on, on pure ac- price action or fundamentals or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one is load shedding. Um, so this is not one that I, I, I will invest in. It's, it's way too liquid and small cap for my liking. It's Ellie's. Um, yes. People have, um, you know, they're doing these installations that uh, take people off the grid. Someone right. I called up the other day to service my heat pump that it packed up. They said that they're no longer in boreholes and solar panels and heat pumps. They now only focus on inverters and off-grid solutions. So then you can go and, you know, as if you're a small retail trader, you can maybe go and take a small position in Ellie's. If you look at the chart, it looks quite um, structurally sound, but yeah. it's very small speculative play, you know, a couple of thousand rand and you you can play that stock, you know. And yeah. the last one is ShopRite, um, which, you know, if you've seen all these uh, 
60, 60 guys cruising around. I think that they probably took all the Uber drivers from before. And these guys are moving lunch and wine. And these guys have really eaten people's lunch. They were first movers to this uh, party. And the, the, the recent results have really shown that they've done well there. Yeah. Yeah, they certainly have. And it's actually been interesting to to observe. I mean, obviously, I'm not there on the ground anymore, but I've been back a year ago. I was back and I obviously keep very much uh, my ear to the ground, as even if it's not on the ground uh, there in South Africa. And it's interesting to note the the de- uh, deviation in some of those retail stocks. You're seeing it, what at the high end looks like they're battling. You look at Woolworths, look at um, the Foschini Group, Trueworths, etc. And then the ones that have done really well have been the likes of your ShopRites uh, and Pepcor and that sort of thing. So it's kind of interesting to see and my you know, bird's eye view of that whole situation is that there's a couple of things. One is that it seems like in a weak economic environment, people are shopping down. And two, yeah. that, um, as you said, ShopRite is actually going out. They seem to be eating Woolworths lunch. Uh, with I think a lot of their stores are very upmarket, so they're, they're competing with Woolworths on that front. But also, as you say, the online shopping uh, is 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 brilliant, and they certainly seem to be taking a first mover advantage in that respect. And you can see it in the way those share prices have been performing. And I, I look at that as well, and I look at that right now. I just can't get excited about buying Woolworths at this sort of time, but Shoprite still looks very strong. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's um it's it's still a buy at these levels. It's got room to move. I also picked it up at a hundred rand when when Delphine and then were buying it for their fund, but. Um, yeah, you've got to give these things time and be patient and um, wait for the story to unfold a bit. But yeah. that's an, an example where, you know, you saw plenty of scooters on the ground and they repurposed themselves and repositioned themselves very quickly. Maybe a time to have picked it up was when they were having these SAP integration issues in their, in their depots um, mm-hmm. some time back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But now, so the common sense research and just being observant is one thing, but you, you, you speak with a fair amount of detail about some stuff. So it's obvious that you're also doing research. You're actually sitting behind your computer and reading stuff as well. Um, so do you have any particular structure or, or routine around how you research the market? And I guess the question is, how much time do you reckon you spend during the week actually doing research? Because obviously, you've got a full-time job and you've got a family, and this is something you do part-time, albeit that you do it very well. Yeah, you know, Garth, when I first got into trading, it was a sort of hobby on the side and to make a quick buck here. And it, it was the appeal of the money. And now it's the intellectual puzzle. The money's not really a thing for me. It's come with time. And when you do something um, and you're passionate about it, that comes. But um, the appeal's always been the intellectual puzzle now. So, But I've got to fit it into my career and my family life. So I've tried to design a system that requires as little intervention as possible. And, you know, I've done, I studied um, engineering, but I also did a commerce degree and, and an MBA. So I, I know how to read balance sheets and income statements, but I absolutely hate it. So I never go and look at them because I actually hate it. I think being an analyst would probably kill me. Mm. So I hate building models about companies. So I've tried to build something that um, is is actually very simple. And if, if I told you sort of the three steps of how I trade, you know, you'd probably laugh, but it's extremely simple. It's, it's, it's basically trend following. But, um, you know, so what I do on a day-to-day basis is, is, is actually very little. I'm, I'm looking to be, um, to cultivate that freedom where I can be a full-time independent trader um, that can really be the master of my own destiny and, you know, the captain of my soul, uh, as it were. And, uh, 
I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm de- it's been a long time that I've been at this, but, you know, I'm determined to get there. And I think Tom Hocart is probably the closest example of this where he's not selling courses or anything. He's just kind of a no-nonsense chap that's sort of living off what he kills type of thing. Yes. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, did, I try to design a simple system. So what I do is, you know, I'll do a bit of uh, a little bit of homework on a on a weekly basis and reading and certain people and things like that. Um, but uh, it, it's really just every night I'll go through my I've got a spreadsheet that I fill in and it's got a list of all my positions and how they're faring and the stop loss. I'll go and type in the prices and if my stop loss hasn't been executed, I like to keep a manual stock stop loss, a psychological one. Right. Um, but I have it written down and if it's if it hits, I'll execute it. If it's not, I won't execute it. Uh, the next day on the open. Um, there are times when I will intervene and you'll hear by the way I talk. Um, so I'll monitor my, my under or out performance of the overall market um, quite regularly as well. Um, but And there might be times where I decide where I actually need to intervene here. Um, so, you know, I am a discretionary trader um, to some extent in that regard. So I will sometimes, you know, if something, if I've been too patient with it, it's been going sideways and underperforming, and I think it's it's not working out how I thought it would. I will override it and um, and get out and, and use the money more productively. Yeah. Okay. So so like a time stop loss effectively with C- the, correct. The yeah. There's no hard and fast rule on that one, but I will I will make a call at some stage um, and 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 call it to quits. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. You're listening to Talking with Traders, a podcast series brought to you by IG, a world leading online trading and investment provider. If you haven't checked out the IG online trading platform, please do so and visit IG.com. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast series on your favorite podcast app or website by clicking on the subscribe button and you'll be notified weekly as we release new episodes. Okay. And I mean, in terms of the number of positions that you hold at any given time, do you limit that or is there, is, are you able to disclose what that is? Yeah, so I'm I'm holding ten at the moment. Um, yeah. uh, I, but what I'll do is I will I'll go in with I don't like to lose more than two percent of my you know so like you position sized on your on your show. Yeah. Um. And and I will I'll size accordingly. So you can get probably maybe eight. I'm not exactly sure, but um, I, I'm not prepared to lose more than that on a particular position. So and and you don't um, and you then don't I'll, I'll go in with. You don't. Sorry to interrupt again. You you don't trade with any leverage, am I right? You, last year you said that you don't trade with leverage. It's all spot equities. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no no leverage whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, on my US account, Garth, I have from time to time gone into a little bit of margin. Um, I wouldn't advise it though. It's uh, <laughs> it cuts both ways. So mm. um, so I try to stick to to cash only positions. Yeah, so that's right. If you are going to trade on margin, if you're going to take on a bit of leverage, you've just got to manage the risks very carefully and know yes. that your stop losses are adhered to because um, it's all very well. Leverage is great. It can work very nicely for you. But like you say, it cuts both ways. And when it cuts the wrong way, it cuts deep. So yeah. Uh, so, to, so I guess, I, you, you know, I want to be con- uh, concentrating my positions a little bit. And, you know, I'll go in with sometimes starter positions and then I will build. You ask me whether I pyramid positions. I'll sometimes add, um, if I see it basing and setting up again, I'll add maybe once or twice after that again. I will okay. pyramid a position. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that's what also one of the things they say the secret to to really making it big is to adding to is adding to your winners. Um, 
That that is interesting though that you got quite a small number of positions and it gives you a big advantage because you can have concentrated positions. You can actually make you know your your winners can be really meaningful and they can move the needle. And I guess that's where you have a big advantage over a typical fund manager where they have very you know strict mandates that they have to stick to and guidelines and regulation twenty eight and all of this stuff, which is actually in many cases very very prohibitive. So have you looked at your performance against some of the other well-known asset managers out there running balanced funds, you know, the likes of Alan Gray's and Coronations and all of this to just measure yourself and see how you fare against those sort of people? Um, yeah, God. So I, do, I don't actually benchmark myself against anyone else. I haven't had a look at performances. Um, I, I really just look at the J203T, which is my benchmark, which is the total return for the overall index. Um, and that's what I'll kind of hold myself up you know, in front of the mirror against. Okay. You know. All right. Yeah. Very good. Um, so, so I just want to say one thing, you know, obviously I'm, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a small sort of um, fund anymore, but I'm also not a huge fund. So I realize that I'm not playing in, I'm not prohibited. I'm, uh, it, what I'm doing is slightly restricted to the, the, the mid and, and, and big caps, mm. uh, large caps to some extent, but uh, these bigger fund managers are, you know, there's there's some things that they actually can't invest in that I maybe could invest in. You just don't want to be in, you know, right now the market is is, is beautiful, but you know, if things turn south, you don't want to be in a position where you actually can't liquidate. There's no bid, and you can't get out of something when you want to. And I've been there before a few times, and you don't want to be there. Yeah, I know that's right. Yeah, but uh, you're right. If you're a smaller trader, a smaller investor, you can certainly be a lot more nimble than those nimble big asset managers. It's kind of like, yeah. yeah, it's a bit like being a, a speedboat versus a, a an oil tanker. You can you can move around a lot yeah. more freely. <laughs> and avoid the iceberg before you sink your. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. When when we spoke last year, you said that one of your goals was to read fifty books, and I know you did that because you. You said on Twitter that you had done it, and I thought that was a, you know, an incredible ambition to to do to read fifty books in a year. Um, so congratulations on reaching that goal. But if you were to pull out three of the books that you read during the year that really uh, made the biggest impression on you, what would they be? Sure. Yeah. So I, I mean, I actually carry that on to 2021. I've just finished another 50, but I don't think I'll carry that on again. It's, uh, you know, although I, I do love reading, I'll never stop learning. Um, but if I t- if we were to take three from last year, uh, I'd probably say Unholy Grails by Nick Raj. Um, okay. Amazing book on um, that's, he, he really speaks to the, to the retail trader quite nicely and talks about about trend following in quite an eloquent manner. Okay. Um, he's got some podcasts you can go and listen to as well where he's interviewed with um talking with trade um not talking with traders chat with traders uh, Aaron Farfield right and then you know I like Steve uh, Ward's uh, work so high performance trading by Steve Ward I think I mentioned that last time yes and then unknown market wizards by Jack Schrager that was amazing and then three from this year um so Richard was a happier by William Bean that's more sort of investing he 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 interviews um Charlie Munger and Monshish Pabai and those guys. Um, then a, a, a novel kind of a thing is a, a book by Tony Duff, uh, The Buy Side, A Wall Street Trader's Tale of Spectacular Excess. So this was okay. a guy who was on the buy side and got messed up on cocaine and, and you know, really blew his career and his marriage and everything, but a, a fascinating read. So that might be one you want to go check like out. Like a Wolf of and Wall Street type. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it was really like exciting stuff. Not how you should be trading, by the way, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And then, I mean, one of <laughs> one of recently, I'm um, actually just finished is is by a guy called Brent Donnelly called Alpha Trader, and I thought this was an outstanding book. You know, yeah, you you just do yourself a favor, go look it up on Amazon tonight and yeah. read the first page. You probably get the first page. Yeah, incredible. So, I'm actually, I actually am reading it right now. I've, you can't get wow. it as an audio book, and which, you, uh, which is probably a good thing. So I actually ordered the the hard copy, and I've, I'm about halfway through it, and it's absolutely brilliant. And on that book, it, it's I think it's um, John Molden who gives the the write up on the front, and he says this is going to be an instant trading classic, and I, I agree with yep. that. It's it's phenomenal. Just it's really meaty. It gets to the nub of the matter of trading. Uh, but it's also fun and it's punchy and it, it moves at a good pace. So I'm thoroughly yeah. enjoying that book. So your Alpha Trader by, by Brent Donnelly, absolutely. I can echo your sentiments there. It's a, it's a good book. Yeah, I was about to read the first page to you, but I won't do that, Garth. If you're reading it, but uh, the listeners can go and uh, look it up and read it. And, and the last page, someone posted on Twitter, it's got a fantastic ending, which I won't spoil for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That first page is pretty gripping. <laughs> so let's not spoil it for the listeners, but go and get that book. Yeah. It's really, really well worth it. If you're a trader and an investor, you won't uh, you, you you won't go wrong by reading that book. It's it's brilliant. Something yeah. you you spoke about there was Steve Ward and high performance trading. Um, and I know I think you mentioned that book on last year's podcast as well. And I've read it. I'd listened to it as an audio book. I actually listened to it twice because it was that good. And I, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. But what I wanted to ask you about is his uh, course. So he had a program which you mentioned last year on the podcast that you were enrolled to do his high performance trading program. And that I think you said it was about $400 or whatever to, to register. How did that go in the end? Yeah. So I think it was in pounds, but I mean, it's, uh, it's probably like sort of local currency for you, but, um, but yeah, and that's regardless. I mean, this thing was worth a lot more than that, to be honest, it was absolute uh, gold to be honest. And, you know, I'll go through a couple of uh, takeouts, uh, for the listeners here. So, so Steve, you know, I'm on his mailing list and I get webinars, which I try and um, invites, which I try and attend as well. But Steve is really a master of his craft. I mean, he, he, he always talks about mastery mindset. If mm. you want to be the best at your game, how far are you prepared to go? So he, he teaches on, on mindset, um, psychology, physiology, and he reads a lot on peak performance. Yes. So um, a lot of his, his books that he recommends, you go into how the Team GB cycling story and how they turned around and the lengths they went to in order to win. They're painting, you know, the inside of the van to spot the, the dust on the white and then how they changed the saddle angles and things like that. Just mm -hmm. the, you know, and the, the lengths people will go to try and be the best. And, you know, trading and investing is like a savage environment. You know, everybody's trying to scrap for it. It's, it's, it's outlined nicely in Brent's first page. Go read that, listeners. Um, yeah. You know, he, he always challenged us after every session What's the one thing that you're going to do differently this week or this month or this year to make you a better trader or investor? So, you know, you know, the things that I said for myself, can, can I sleep better? Can I form better habits? Can I eat better? Can I exercise more? Can I journal more? He's big on yeah. journaling, which I'll talk yes. about now. Yeah. Can you read a book? Can you talk to a professional trader? Can you get a mentor? Can you get a coach? Um, you know, often people are so good at what they are doing because they're prepared to outwork others. And I don't, I, I'm not outworking people. I've just told the listeners that, you know, I'm, I'm using some common sense in a very simple system and I'm very passionate and disciplined. Yeah. I do things, but on journaling, 
he got us to journal a lot and um he's actually got a journal out with sound cultural which you can go and check out as well but it, it, a lot of people found it a real bond but he asks that you do track the following what went well and why yeah and and what didn't go well and why with each mm. trade so this is the qualitative aspects rather than the PL and it's how much you made and stuff like that mm. um what have i learned and what action i take to get better next time so he said that part that last part is the bare minimum like what what can i do better next time so it's this constant mastery mindset how do i get better and you and you'll never get it right right because it's you've got to follow the process over the outcome you've got to say what was a good trade i followed my process not i made the biggest amount of profit yes and then he you know links this into there was some work done by Russo and Shoemaker where you have a quadrant. If you can just imagine process and win and lose, a good process, poor process, win and lose. Mm. So if you can if you can have a good process and a win, well, let's start at the bottom. Um, a poor process plus a, is poetic justice. So this is like Nick Leeson, right? You didn't have a good process and you lost and you deserve to go to jail, right? Right. Then you have a poor process and you win, which is dumb luck. Mm-hmm. So this is a new trader, maybe in a forgiving environment that bought ArcelorMittal at 30 cents or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and is now 2000%. Possibly. I'm not saying that. It's, you know, that's just an <laughs> example. Yes. Um, a, a good process and a loss would be a bad break. So maybe an earnings miss on a maybe a good stock, maybe Alibaba, say, or something like that. And then good process and a win, which is deserved success, which is the goal we should always be striving for. And the thinking is there's a lot of luck in markets and, um, you know, provided you manage yourself and your emotions around this and, you know, you get that positive expectancy coming out, as long as you keep following a process, um, you'll eventually get there. You'll get that good process and the win coming through. Yeah. And then, you know, the last thing I asked him is, 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 you know, um, one of my weaknesses is what I used to do in the past is once the markets were acting great, like now I'd sort of, you know, pull back from the markets and just go and chill and, you know, be, be a little bit lackadaisical about things. But he said, look, these guys, these true winners, and he likened it to Lewis Hamilton, have this constant mastery mindset. So it's not good enough to win the World Cup once or win the Grand Prix. They want to do it again and again and again. What did I do wrong? What, how can I improve next time? Which mm. is, a, it's, it's kind of a bit sad because you, you, you never, you're always hungry, never satisfied type of thing. Yeah. Um, but but it's always to look for the next thing. So so you know maybe a five thousand dollar course will pay for itself in a, in a day of live trading with someone who's been trading for thirty years. Who, who knows? Maybe. And so I've been looking at things like you know subscribing to Peter Brandt's wisdom of forty five years, his newsletter. Is there yes. one thing I can pull out of a course, or one thing I can pull out of a book from a true expert like Brent Donnelly's newsletter, or something? Yeah, that I can learn and take and prove and tinker and, and just get a little bit better. So that was his kind of closing comment to me is they, they're constantly looking to improve and they're never satisfied type of thing. And I think if you're related to trading, it's more the intellectual puzzle thing that comes through. I'm not interested in getting, you know, stinking rich in that. I just want to, I just find it fascinating. So yeah, that's yeah. sorry. That was a wounded answer, Garth. But no, but it's great. It was excellent. I mean, I'm listening with both ears. It's it's it's, it's superb what you're talking about. You did mention something there about journaling, and you wanted to just touch on that because that, that's also something I've become quite big on as well. Uh, and and I've mm. it's it's quite hard work actually, but it is very very valuable as part of your discipline to to journal. What did you want to tell us about that? Um. Yeah. So I mean, I, in the course, I I actually 
he, he got us to classify our trades and I went back from inception and I classified every single trade into those four quadrants and I saw what what percentage of the time was I following my process and what time was it dumb like etc 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 it kind of gives you a good idea where's as to where you're sitting so maybe that's a good exercise for the listeners to do um the journaling I think you know that's uh as I said I think it's it's something it's not something that's particularly um inviting or it's 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 especially if you had a loss so the last thing you want to do is write it down oh gee I lost money and this was what the chart looked like and I felt terrible afterwards and what could I've done better and the next day it's up and you think yeah so it's but mm. you know keep I'd say just try keep a journal in good times and bad and try and learn something out of it as you know as he's taught us in the course um to try and get better yeah yeah super yeah I can I can echo journaling is I'm certainly finding it it's hard work but it's very very useful because it's it forces you to question yourself look at what's going right, look at what's going wrong and you learn and because you have to write about it, it's it kind of, you, you really do entrench those lessons. It, Last it forces question. Yourself, it, it, sorry, interrupt. It, it, it forces you to really learn a lot about yourself. So everybody has individual strengths and weaknesses. We all different, right? Mm. And everyone has different um, trading systems as a result of that. So, yeah. so what is it that you're good at? Can you capitalize on that? And what is your weak? What are your weaknesses? Maybe you have to live with them, or maybe you can work on them to sort of smooth the edges a bit. They'll probably yes. always stay with you a little bit. But what is it that you can do? Maybe working with a coach, or or trying something yourself, or going through these exercises that he took us through on meditation and all the other stuff in the course. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's excellent. Um, last question then. You you are a goals driven guy. You're very disciplined. Um, you've made that very clear. What are your goals for? Well, we're almost at the end of 2021. So what have your goals been? I know you talked about reading 50 books. I don't know if you've got any other goals that you had for this year. And then looking out to 2022, any goals for next year? Yeah, so, I mean, I did set a, a list to them and, and I won't bore you with all of them. There were a lot of them with those small incremental things like hang a motivational poster in the study and uh, have a coach and things like that. Yeah. Um but uh, two of the projects I did was I listened to all the Chat with Traders podcasts. There's 221 of them um, with um, Aaron Farfield, and who talks a, a podcast out of Australia. So he has some really big names on there, like Ed Thorpe, Peter Brand. So you might want to go and cherry pick some of those. Uh, it got a bit heavy into Bitcoin and the the, the dark web at times and uh, day trading, which I wasn't really interested in, but I, I wanted to go through all of these. Right. And one of the one of the other projects I, uh, you know, I was I was doing it. I'm, I'm still busy with is that one rand a day project, which was quite fun. Um, Bright Kamala did it last year, where you say one rand for each day of the year. So day one you say one rand, and we're currently on day 323. So, so it's one rand. Day. It's it's it starts <laughs> one rand, then two rand, then three rand, and so on. Yeah, right? correct. Yeah. Okay. So at okay. the end of the year, you know, it's not big money. It's like sixty-seven thousand rand, but it's you know to someone that might be a monthly paycheck, to someone a, a monthly tax bill, maybe an annual salary, but it's it, the point of to do here is, is force that discipline every day and you know like in running or whatever this is the today i've got to do this next day i've got to do that and and so you carry on um, okay so that's one of the things yeah and then um you know it's just around talking and connecting with some some professional traders and some some guys who do this on a sort of more full-time basis and um looking at mentors and coaches and you know people that can just really um, help me uh, in where i want to go yeah and, yeah that's good yeah so in, in terms of 2022, Garth, I haven't really thought that far. I normally do it sort of towards the end of the year. Like it gets closer to the end of December. I'll start to reflect a bit on the year and when the markets have quietened down a bit in those last two weeks. 
so I haven't quite got there yet, but I will, I will, I certainly set goals for myself every single year and I write them down. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, excellent. Yeah. I'm, I'd be interested to hear what those goals are. Maybe you'll put them on Twitter. I don't know. And for, for listeners that would like to, um, to follow you, I guess the best place to do that is, is on Twitter, right? And your Twitter byline is at Richie T. Uh, that's the best. R-I-C-H-Y-T-E-E. Yes. Okay. All right. Richard Thomason. Um, yeah, look him up on Twitter if you're not already following him because he's got some good content that he tweets. And I must say, I, I enjoy following your, your tweets. It's very real uh, and it's always insightful and it's helpful. And I, and I also enjoy the comments that you make sometimes on other people's tweets. It's always constructive. So it's, uh, it's, you're a good guy to follow on Twitter, Richard. <laughs> so super. Yeah, it's been very good chatting to you again, Richard, and, uh, and, and catching up. Um, we, we, we should do this again, probably next year sometime, I think to, to touch base as we've done once, uh, this, this time, which is effectively a year later from when we spoke last time. Well, well Garth, let's, let's not leave it that long. So I've got a, I've got a mini project suggestion to you that I'd like to pitch. So, you know, I, I really admire your work and, you know, you ran a very successful TV show and essay for, what was it? 10 years, Garth, or? Yeah, yeah, 10 years, but 2009 wow. to 2019, yeah. So, so that's proper discipline for you, right? Um, so, um, you, you know, that very show taught me proper position sizing and, and, and some proper trading principles. I think you, you had a tagline promoting proper trading principles or something like that's, that. Yeah. That's right, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so, I mean, that was hugely helpful in my growth. Um, so, you know, I, in listening to this Aaron Farfield uh, podcast, the, the host was actually interviewed by one of the interviewees okay. um, so how about i uh, assuming ig markets would agree that you know i think you've got a wealth of knowledge and would you agree that i could interview and 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 this would catch up on 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 where you've moved to with your business and your your work and moving to the uk and and teach them a thing or two yeah hey what a nice idea i'm certainly open to that uh, i'll have i'll have a chat to the sponsors I uh, don't see why they would object, but actually that'll be superb. Uh, I can sit on the other side. I won't have to prepare an interview. I can just sit and be the guy being <laughs> being interviewed, which will be nice. Again, I haven't done that for a while since I, I left South Africa. I haven't been on the radio much or anything like that. So being interviewed by someone will be great. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Let's set that up. I think that's a good idea. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's chat offline. I mean, I've certainly got things that I'd like to ask you and learn from you as well. And the listeners will benefit hugely, I'm sure. And, um, you know, we can go through maybe a, a small framework and set something up and agree to a date in the future. Okay, excellent. We'll talk offline. I look forward to that. Super. Super. Richard, well, it's been great chatting to you. That's Richard Thomason uh, again. Superb. Thanks very much for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed this. And, yeah, we will pick up our conversation offline again. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, Garth. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Talking With Traders, brought to you by IG, a world-leading CFD provider. We really are privileged to have such a leader in the field of online trading involved in this series. Please follow us on Facebook and engage with us there. And a reminder to make sure you subscribe to this series by clicking on the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd also appreciate if you'd leave a review on the app too. Till next time.